Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Sunburns. Don't call it Sunburns. I prefer... I mean, this is my favorite of Mr. Burns's sons on The Simpsons, so. Could you tell me where I could find the Burns O's? Dude, that was such a good Instagram comment. It was, yes. Oh, man, I was like, you know, you get into deep cuts reference-wise with people, mm-hmm. and you got and you got to think, like, are they going to get it? Because if they don't get it, I'm going to look like a weirdo. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. That was smooth, baby. Oh, thanks. My name is Tim. This is my friend David here. Catsup? Ketchup? Ketchup? Ketchup. Are you here to help me with my catsup problem? People are going to love this one. Oh, I can tell yeah. already. Oh, yeah. Um, But hey, we're here like we're here every week to talk about a song by the Alkaline Trio, because that's what we do over here on As You Were Podcast about Alkaline Trio. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense, but, you know, just we want to make sure you're aware we do this every week. Every week. And we got, you know, we've got playlists. Mm-hmm. We've got four of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first three collect the LPs, and then there's a fourth one that's got everything else. Yeah, all, all the remains if you will oh uh-huh, uh-huh, they should uh-huh. use that for something yeah and now we usually go with this formula where every three weeks we do a poll where we have our patreon people pick an episode for us mm-hmm. which is what we uh realized as we were finishing up last week's episode that we were supposed to be doing last week and then we had this moment of like oh shit yeah now what but this was the song we had planned and the idea that we could lose the opportunity mm-hmm. to talk about this track for potentially like literally another 70 weeks if who knows like know. it could be the end of the podcast and i could be I the really want so it could be oh. who knows i really wanted to talk about this one for quite a few reasons and while we're sorry that we are skipping our normal poll thing that will be next week we will make that up to everyone who, who pledges a Patreon. We also, you know, dropped you a, a pretty lengthy episode a little while back. Oh, so. I know our Patreon people aren't too happy. Yeah. But I know that maybe some people that are out there thinking of, you know, pledging over at patreon.com slash as you were might be wondering, like, oh, is it worth it? They just, like, skipped a poll for no good reason. No, we got a good reason. We got a good reason. And we're going to make it up. So why don't you get over there and pledge, damn it. Makes a good point. And we got some merch coming. Get ready. Um, But this week's song, Sunburns, is interesting to me for a lot of reasons. One, because it feels like a modern day deep cut, which like we've not really hit a lot of. And it also is a song that exemplifies something that has been a trend about this band, at least for me personally, since Agony and Irony. That trend being that They've done this thing where they've always kind of in tandem with the release of a record, is this thing Curse Excluded? They would release like the record and then there would be like a deluxe edition that you could get as well, which had like some other tracks, maybe like a cover or something, some acoustic stuff. And the case of My Shame is True, 
they did that same thing where I believe on Spotify, the song we're talking about and the three songs it's paired with are just tacked on to the end of My Shame is True. But it came out as its own EP called Broken Wing at the same time as My Shame is True. So they were like writing enough material to like cut it, but still want it out there. And as a result, I think there's been a lot of stuff that's kind of gotten a little lost or maybe now retroactively because of Spotify, people think it's just part of the record. Um, And this song's like kind of such a weird thing because most of those songs that have been cut have been used for these other things have been Dan songs. Mm -hmm. And in almost all of those cases, they have been some of what I think has been his best material and the band's strongest material released in that time. Um, So this is the type of stuff that I've been excited for us to get because you've not heard it. You've not heard really those records in full, and I'm sure you've not heard like the B-sides to them. So I was really excited when this one got You have been putting like this type of song over. Yes. For a very long time. I have. Since we started doing this fucking podcast. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to I've tried to do my best to really like stay true to the, you know, the An premise of premise, this yeah. that I haven't that I dropped off at Agony and Irony and everything since then I haven't listened to. And I have, you know, you say we we do a my shame is true song i put the track on and then i let it play through and you know i've listened to the records at this point but this one you know i haven't been there so i haven't i haven't spoiled it for myself so i listen to this song for the first time on friday Mm -hmm. it's sunday now i've listened to it 12 13 times since then i think that it is fucking exceptional work yeah i think it's great i think the broken wing ep i think matt's contribution though weak does not sink it i think it's a great four song 12 inch i love that they put something like that out that harkens back to their early days of putting out four song eps and like also i think it shows the songwriter that dan's kind of grown into over the years where you know, we've talked a lot about on the podcast about how on the early stuff, he's kind of serving as a counterpoint to Matt. Mm. But around the time of, I would say, post Good Morning, he just kind of starts doing his own thing. Yeah. You know, I would say he starts doing it then, but those songs are kind of a counterpoint. Yeah. Good Morning, um, specifically the second side. Yeah. It's a real coming out party for Dan just because so many of the songs that come at the end of good morning are just like so personal yeah and like not trying to push a narrative other than the one he's interested in yeah and i think it, it's you start seeing where i'm like maybe i'll catch fire's lyrical focus is really dark i think that kind of holds through on for from here to infirmary and the songs from that this is such a different look he's writing love songs that are very you know just kind of not straightforward he's writing a lot of interesting lines you're seeing more of a perspective in him than i think that is his own and not necessarily that is a member of the alkaline trio and it's working in opposition to the narrative that a lot of us have of this band starts out hot they stay there and then they really drop off Mm -hmm. where quietly dan is developing his songwriting voice over the course of it you know he's doing different things like yeah in opposition to Mm -hmm. matt early on 
and then kind of develops his own voice. And then suddenly, you know, this ascent of Dan, just as a songwriter, just a a person who's honed in on a craft Mm -hmm. and who's put so much of his own personality into it is developing quietly underneath. Yeah, and I think one of the critiques I've heard people say of Dan's work in the more modern era is that it's all a little too saccharine and a little too sweet and a little too lovey-dovey and sure, but I think I think that's only if you're looking at the stuff that's making on to some of these records. You know, like a lot of people, and myself included, do not like a song like Love, Love, Kiss, Kiss. That's, right. like, that's I mean, maybe his weakest lyrical contribution uh, next to, I would argue, Little Help on well, the we, record. Well, we talked about if you had a bad time, just being like, okay, Dan, like we get it. Like this is the same energy that gave yes. us every thug needs a lady, but like Lesser. that one we liked. This Lesser. one, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like when I look at these songs that starting with Agony and Irony, the two uh, B-sides that I think are really strong on that record, In My Stomach, a great acoustic song, and Burn Is the House, a great like kind of lyrical ode to the cure but a very fun playful pop song you start seeing that he's doing different things and so maybe his songs on the record or that but he's he's got these other things and i think the the stuff that makes it on a broken wing that ep his three contributions are all very different and i think this song does a great job of like just really serving as an update to what his early lyrical focus was. You know, this is sure a love song, I think in a way at the end, but it's really about his struggle to feel that love and be a good partner and be a good person and really just appreciate what he has, which is such a unique kind of thing to see come through in a song, especially because he's kind of just outright saying it in the chorus. Yeah. You know, you go into i mean i feel like he really started talking about his relationship mm-hmm. on good morning yeah you know all of those songs are are in reference to what we assume is a uh you know a very good and stable relationship and the updating that happens over the course of time it's something that you know when you care about something to the extent that we care about with this band Updates like that are really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to look at this as not only a love song, but a song about, you know, Dan, who was so hard on himself in the early stages, kind of going back and saying, like, yeah, I still got that, but like, it's not as bad now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the line that's always jumped out to me in the song is the first one in the chorus, like the I haven't really made the most of this life. Yeah. Like that's such like a bleak fucking line. But it's also real because I think as you get older, it's hard to not feel that way. It's hard to not feel that like maybe I've missed opportunities. Maybe I've not appreciated the things that are there in front of me. Maybe like I could have been better. And it's a song that's kind of trying to do that and embracing that. Well, I think that along the lines of every thug needs a lady sort of, you know, sweetness songs, he's also got a real knack for writing kind of a continuation of I'm dying tomorrow. Sure. I was a prayer. These songs that kind of speak about the idea of am I embracing things properly? Mm -hmm. How am I doing like with all of this and sometimes it comes off a little 
pessimistic. Sometimes it comes off, you know, in this case, a little bleak. But all of them, I think, generate a hopefulness to it and just the sense that, like, he's still trying. Yeah. He's never stopped trying. Yeah. And when you get the, you know, the sense that, like, things are just getting a little bit better with each release as he grows a little bit older. That's really, really fulfilling. And that's real honesty that that we connect with Dan on such a unique level. Mm -hmm. Hearing that stuff, it just like it just makes your fucking heart feel full. Well, and I think he's such an interesting character because as you come to know him through his songs and his material, there's often this very there's an internal struggle. There's an embrace of that beauty, of that feeling of love, of that joy, of that excitement, and also like this feeling of undeservingness, uh, this feeling of like un- being uncomfortable in his own skin, the, the feel of not not knowing how to navigate those situations appropriately. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like if you're someone who, you know, has has any issues with like anxiety or self worth issues or any of that stuff, it's hard not to relate to someone who's kind of like that's his whole bag. <laughs> you know yeah and like he shows the good days and the bad days more than i think a lot of people do in a way that i that doesn't feel like a trope you know i think that you know it's it's like matt really does this uh this thing where he has such a sense of he's the guy that talks about tarantulas sure. and, and and you know all that other shit and uh and that wasn't in a pejorative sense um but i mean he's got he's got more of a visual i think focus in his lyrics a lot of times where dan is maybe less so that i feel like matt opens up so much for dan to be able to just share Mm -hmm. on a personal level you think about the dynamic between Brendan and Chris from the Lawrence Arms. sure it's like Yeah, yeah, yeah you know you feel so much like emotional connection to chris just because he's the guy that's kind of quietly presenting things Mm -hmm. as opposed to brendan who you know is for the most part you know very uh brash with with everything yeah emotional too as well and no totally but beautiful way yeah 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 but hearing dan you know being able to say like i think one of the things that's communicated really well in this song is that he's in a place now where he's experiencing life with a partner where he can just say what he feels to somebody and not have to present anything differently. Mm -hmm. He's, he doesn't have to dance around things or like, you know, develop a sense of being self-deprecating in a way to be charming. It's just like, yeah, fucking, I don't feel so hot sometimes. And I think that's, it's kind of a beautiful thing to see in anyone, but it's specifically someone making work that is inherently personal and inherently like about their own experience is when they get to a point where they feel comfortable enough just expressing that. Yeah. You know, I don't think these lyrics are like, it's not fucking, I lied my face off here, Mm -hmm. you know, but it is one of those things where you kind of listen to it. And for me, it hits me in a similar way because it's, it's just so, I don't want to say muted, but it's just so every day. It it feels like such a lived in thing where it's become normal for him. And that almost makes it hit harder that he's just learned how to internalize his pain to where it's just almost said with a shrug. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that that's 
something that we all go through Mm -hmm. is you hopefully realize at a certain point that you are who you are and especially when it comes to mental health Mm -hmm. diagnosable mental health there's nothing that you can do to change the way that your brain works yeah but if you find a way to you know not have to express it as i lied my face off yeah 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 you're gonna you're gonna figure out that you know you can you can be okay with what you might feel like you're lacking mm-hmm. when you're younger and i think this is a really interesting thing to see the fact that like for one on is this thing cursed dan has more explicitly talked about his mental illness in terms of like press stuff and and all that and i think you see a little bit of that in the songs but also like clearly like with Derek being out of the band you know right now because of mental health things and you know other issues like it's interesting to see just how unlike a lot of punk bands that i think use that shit as a trope Mm -hmm. maybe inauthentically or romanticize it i've never really felt that as much with with this band and i think they still can use this as a vehicle to get those things out they're older they're living different kinds of lives and there's not that the the internal tension doesn't feel like it's at 11 all the time like when you're 19 or 21 or 25 yeah you know they're 40 (laughs) and it's okay but i it feels more manageable but it's nice to see that because their fan base is older too we're aging along with it and it's nice to be able to have a song that's not bleeder to necessarily reach to because I'm not always feeling like Bleeder anymore. Right. But I am feeling like this. And it's also nice to have a song that I think musically is really solid. This oh, isn't just a lyrically a good song. song. Like mm-hmm. this is a well-written, well-crafted song that I think really kind of presages a lot of what he would do on the second uh, Emergency Room record, you know? I really like Matt's lead on this too mm. because it's so weird and like it's like so close to not fitting at all yeah but it it really really achieves a goal and the fact that you know he can he can still do like a two string like pretty easy lead and not repeat himself in this moment is really nice it's really refreshing um but yeah it's like it, it just builds so well it doesn't he doesn't repeat himself very often Mm -hmm. you know as time progresses he still finds a way to you know not do the same thing yeah not repeat the same shit and to not get lazy with things yeah but it's just quietly happening yeah i mean i think one of the things that i you know the reason I come down hard on this band sometimes for when it does feel lazy to me is because there's an example of a song like this recorded in the same sessions as a record where I feel like a lot of mass contributions are kind of, I don't know, boilerplate, very stock Mm -hmm. to to quote Lars Ulrich from some kind of monster. Uh, Even his song on the four song broken wing EP, which again is not my favorite song on that he's going more out on a limb than he does on anything on the record really 
and like Lars Ulrich said that in some kind of monster. And when he's this, yes, he said that exactly. It's crazy. I, I don't know. He's, My favorite Lars Ulrich quote from some kind of monster is <laughs> when he gets in James Hedfield's face and goes, <laughs> that one's pretty good. I love some kind of monster so much. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like there, are, I think Matt, though he is not like some sort of sort of virtuoso guitar player. He, when he like really clues in to what he needs to do in a small section, I think I think he does it very well. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. This is one of those songs that I think it's like unfortunate that they will probably I don't think they have and probably never will like play this song live. Like this is one that's probably just gone forever. Why? I mean, I just don't know if they played any of these songs touring on that record. I know, but like, let's get into it here. Yeah. Why does this happen? Why do you have three dance songs that come on the release that's an afterthought? Not yeah. you know, not. No, an I know what you mean. But... I know what you mean. So I've I've had these conversations with people, uh, you know, the Alkaline Trio conspiracy theory hive for for a long time now uh-huh. because it's interesting to me how on you know Good Morning they're basically like they each kind of are like half and half in terms of song contributions. Crimson leans a little bit in Matt's favor, if I'm not mistaken, but there's a lot of songs where they sing with each other. Yeah. They both feel kind of like equal presences. Agony and Irony, I believe Dan has three or four songs out of 11. I believe on this addiction, he has three out of 11. And I don't remember exactly the breakdown of My Shame is True, but he's also playing more of a minor role. And he's having songs that I think are just as good that would have, like, evened those numbers out a little bit, uh, shunted onto B-sides and deluxe editions and standalone EPs that get overshadowed because they're released the same day as a record. Why that is, I don't know. I would venture to guess that on Agony and Irony, you know, it's not like they had a wellspring of material, but, you know, that was their major, major label record. I don't mm-hmm. know for a fact whether or not the major label was meddling, but I do imagine there was a little bit of like, Matt's the face, we're leading with the face. Right. Okay. Um, on this addiction, it doesn't make as much sense to me because that's, you know, they're on Epitaph slash Hardened Skull. It's their Back to Basics record. Maybe it's trying to mirror the early releases of him only having a few songs, but I... I would say some of the songs on that record are not even strong or not even as strong as the B sides, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, though I will say one of them I fucking love. And then in this case, like I think his best songs are on this on broken wing, not my shame is true. How that ends up happening. I don't know. I don't know if they felt divergent from the path or divergent from the flow or, but like, I, I don't think it's some grand conspiracy to minimize Dan and prop up Matt, but it is very strange to me and very peculiar peculiar to have songs like this just kind of like written out of their history is it i mean you know we've talked about the idea that you know dan's songs are in a lot of ways just updates on dan and the like what we glean from it is the progress of dan as a songwriter um that's always going to be kind of the uh the under narrative to what the alkaline trio is is it that there's maybe just a sense of like well we don't want to confuse people 
Yeah. I mean, that's possible. I mean, I've also wondered this, and this is something I can't know, obviously. But it seems like Matt is more of a prolific songwriter than Dan. Matt is the type of person who seems to just kind of sit down and crap out a song. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that disparagingly, right, but like right. either like, good we've or talked bad. about some of his, our favorite songs are the ones that he writes in 15 minutes. And like he seems to be someone who just kind of sits down and does it. And I, I Dan has always come off to me like someone who he has that, but he fine tunes and he refines and mm-hmm. goes back to it and he tweaks. And he, he seems like his songs are a little more uh airtight to me like they've really been considered and labored over whereas matt has just been like hey here we go so on some of these things it's like maybe matt just had more material and maybe in the moment they were more into that material uh, but i i wasn't always that <laughs> sharing right. that opinion. and i mean you know there's there's plenty of ways that the dynamic goes where you know matt's things are what ends up being on the record without you know, some sort of nefarious intent or, you know, maybe if, if we look at it as, you know, Matt writes these songs pretty quickly, they're there. Maybe that's the thought that goes into what goes on the record is, you know, and yeah. And Dan, you know, is, is a little bit more deliberate. Maybe it doesn't happen. It's, these are fun kind of holes to go in with the bands that you care about a lot of just like looking at, the records that they made and then looking at what they recorded during the sessions and realizing like, holy fuck, you could have made something way different. No, totally. And I think that's the thing is like, maybe it's Dan coming in with all this material early. And then as Matt writes more and more, it's like, well, maybe this doesn't fit the way we want it to. Maybe this doesn't have a place here anymore. That's not uncommon in, in record making. And yeah, like you said, I don't think there's any, any nefarious goal here. But I really wish I knew more about the creation of some of these records. Like the, the creation of the early ones we know is just kind of quick and then fly by the seat of your pants and what we have is what we have. But there's not that kind of mythology and there's not that kind of history and like just like even like record keeping of the past 10 years. We don't really know. And I, I kind of wish we knew a little more. Yeah. You got to if you like that sort of thing, you got to take it where you can get it basically mm-hmm. it's like you know you read trouble boys or replacements book you read about like what they recorded for don't tell a soul yeah and the things that that get left off of that record and what they you know they made a kind of like classy production piece and yeah. it's like man drop four of those and add four of these and you've got fucking pleased to meet me part two you've got you've got another tim yeah and even instances where like the softer things that they were trying to do you know the song we know the night if if anybody's out there like wondering what the fuck i'm talking about listening to listen to all for nothing nothing for all Mm -hmm. the uh warner brothers best of the replacements which is it's not best of because it's the best of the replacements from 1985 moving onwards. There's nothing from the twin tone era. Yeah. yeah. But there's a second disc on there of just things that weren't released. And the middle chunk of that is songs from don't tell a soul fast songs, quiet songs, Portland, which is one of the best replacement songs Mm -hmm. that's ever been written. Um, And it's not on the record. And I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's just the thing that does happen. You know, I mean, I imagine, I, I do respect Alkaline Trio that, like, 
really outside of you know the the very early years like demo tape stuff that got then used on goddamn it or eps or whatever and then sadie they've never really reused material much i mean obviously damnesia being a glaring example of not being that um but like we gotta do something <sighs> yeah um we don't talk I mean, about it could the, be worse it could be worse we don't talk we're fucking face to face is doing a Jesus. acoustic version of a 20 year old record but also like there are face to face is a band where it's like they have like the song disconnected on like eight different releases like, yeah who gives a shit we we should do a deep dive on damnesia at some point Oh god! But, I thought you were gonna say deep down, face to no, face. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no motive. We can do that afterwards. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I mean, it is one of those things. Like I, one of the things I've always really appreciated about Derek is he seems to be like a real archivist and seems to really care about the history of this band and like keeping those notes. And I would love to just like have him discuss those things, like even on his YouTube channel. Of, you know, uploading the videos of him recording drum tracks on Crimson or Agony and Irony. It's like, it's nice that someone was keeping track of this shit and maybe we'll get a fuller look at it in 10 years or 20 years, but it's cool that there is at least some bookkeeping here, you know, cause otherwise who knows, who knows. And that's why we're here to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. We rate it. I give this song four out of five. I give it four and a half out of five. We got we got some four and a halfs flowing out of this recording session, my dude. Hey, baby, they're good. They're good. Um, hey, this has been as you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio. We are so friggin' elated that you came to listen to us discuss a band that we care so much about, and. it just it just tickles us that anybody out there cares. It's so nice to hear from so many of you. Invite you to uh, tweet at us at as you were pod. Email as you were podcast at gmail We had all those emails coming in not too long ago. That shit was tight. It was great. Oh, please do that again. So nice to hear you. You just dropping your thoughts on us and being able to hear about the the fact that. You all care you all, that y'all are, are listening to this and enjoying it. It's very meaningful to us. We decided to do it one day because we knew that we would have fun. So it's great to hear that people are out there having fun with us. We invite you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were helps us to keep doing what we're doing. We are very, very grateful for all of you who are already pledging. If you're out there and you're thinking maybe you might want to, it's not a bad way to spend a couple bucks a month, and uh, we offer plenty of incentives in exchange for that. So either way, we'll be here like we always are, again and again. Forever and ever. after week, coming back with a new song, a new thing to talk about, and we'll see you then. Thanks, folks. One more time,